You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. bummer uh, of a, a theme song to have <laughs> under pressure. Uh, my name is Dustin Peckman. My wife, Catherine, and I, we have the great privilege of leading the teen ministry here in the South Bay Church. And yes, we love the teens, the youth. We actually have junior high and preteens in with us as well. They're, uh, they're back there. So we got a plethora of youth, which is cool because the story that we're going to be talking about today involves youth. And we are in uh, the, the second week, I guess the third week, of In the Eye of the Storm series, Thriving in Turbulent Times. And, uh, and the song, it, it wasn't just random, our theme today is Under Pressure. Under Pressure. So, uh, you know, I've said this before, the, the week leading up to a sermon, uh, God definitely gives me plenty of opportunities to live out the theme. And so there have been some pressures this week, as I'm sure you can all relate. Each day presents so many different pressures, whether we are broken by them or whether we stand up and it's like they never happened, but there are pressures. Even when we woke up this morning, there were pressures, right? Things that were on our minds, things that happened yesterday, just like, did that really happen? Different pressures. Maybe your kids are sick. Um... We have some sick kids. I feel like that is the story of our life. <laughs> Since September, at least. Uh, they're in the back there, sitting in the stroller. But uh, there is pressure. So it's good to talk about being under pressure because, because if we don't talk about it and the pressure just keeps building and building and building, Satan will break us with it. He will break us. He will fracture us. He will tear us to pieces. So it's good to talk about it. It's good to acknowledge it. And I love this Bible Project video. Um, I just wanted to read a couple quotes from it. But uh, I, after watching that, I feel like I don't even have to come out here. We just learned the whole book of Daniel, right? But we are going to focus on Daniel chapter 3 today. But a, a few of the things that that video said, one of, this is one of the chapters that offers hope to God's suffering people. It also talked about this chapter being um, just a lesson of faithfulness despite opposition. Opposition. So I'm going to give you a quick context of what's going on in the first part of Jan Daniel chapter 3. Um, as, as Steve mentioned last week, we have Daniel, who uh, in the first couple chapters is a teenager. And he has some buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Many of you have probably heard of them. They are also teenagers. And so these, these are the lives, these are the guys that we're following in this chapter today. They're teenagers. Like these high school students, like some of our junior high teens and our preteens will soon be teenagers. So have that in your mind as, as, as we see what they go through and the pressures that they face. So in Daniel chapter 3, oh, this is, a, uh, this is a picture that we used for our winter retreat. We had a high school winter retreat last month. This was the picture kind of behind the, the text, which our theme was under pressure. And so this is, man, this is how we can feel at times, right? 
like headaches, like we are about to break. We're cracking under the pressure. So Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, it starts out with King Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, you guys had a quick synopsis in that video. But he built this, this huge statue, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. To give you a little bit of, uh, I guess, understanding, 90 feet tall. I was trying to figure it out. Like, is that rocket ship at the park? Is that 90? No, that's not 90 feet. Um, the Hollywood letters, the Hollywood sign letters, those are each 45 feet tall. So double a Hollywood sign letter. And, man, we can see that Hollywood sign from all over L.A. So you imagine this 90-foot statue, man, you can see this thing. It is, it is looming over you. It is very demanding of your attention. And so the king invites all of these royal officials, probably tens of thousands of people, out to the plain of Dura, which is this huge open space, which is a perfect place to bow down to an idol, to this statue. And so they all go out there, and they're having this party. And you know, actually, it kind of reminds me of, of this place. Even We're not, we're not bowing to a, a statue. We're bowing to God. But we're partying, right? Yeah. We're having a good time. Actually, let's, let's stand up for a second. Okay. Let's stand up. And we, ha we already had a, a little bit of hugging and meet your neighbor time, but let's, let's have some more. Say, say, hey, I'm so glad you came this morning. You can say, I love worshiping, worshiping God with you. Okay, let's bring it in. Bring it in. You guys can grab your seats again. We'll sit back down. It's good to have fun with each other. And so, yeah, let's find our seats. So these guys are out in this plane, and, and the, the officials, uh, they say, when, we have some... We have a few guys standing. Um, you guys can sit down now. Okay, you guys can sit down. Okay, actually, you can, sit, you can take a seat. I asked them to do that. Um, it's a little awkward, right? Like, should we say something? Do they know that everyone else is sitting down? And so they say when the band plays, like, hey, welcome to my party. Uh, thanks for coming. By the way, the, the invitation, RSVP, attendance, not optional. You, you got to be here. Welcome. Uh, take your shoes off. Have fun. By the way, when you hear the live music start playing, if you don't bow down and worship the statue, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. Welcome. Have fun. That's the King Nebuchadnezzar's party that he has out in the desert, out in this plain. And yet, the band plays. Tens of thousands of people bow down and three remain standing. Man, talk about standing out in the crowd. And so these three guys remain standing. Thank you, Damon, Traven, and Justin. I asked them to stand up, but it, it's kind of awkward, right? I mean, they even had someone come up and say, hey, what are you doing? Traven, sit down. <laughs> and you imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably got the same treatment. They probably had some of their buddies like, what are you doing? Wow, come on. And so this is, this is what's going on. And so the band plays and everyone bows except these three guys. 
And, uh, and then the, the rest, all the, the rest of the guys that were bowing, some of them came to the king and said, look, these three guys didn't bow. They tattletailed on them. Um, very adult-like. And, and so the king brings these three guys to him, and you almost get this sense that he doesn't want this to be true. And he, did, did you really not bow? Okay, I'm going to give you a second chance. When you hear the live music start playing, if you read this chapter, it's all these different instruments, but we'll just call it live music or a band. When you hear that band playing, you need to bow down. And that's where we pick up this story in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. It says here, so this, he says, if you don't bow down this next time, I'm going to throw you into the furnace. And he says, he says, um, who is the God who can rescue you from my power? And he sets himself up against gods. Like he's greater and more powerful than whatever God he's referring to. This is what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, he, he, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up. So our first point today, when you are under pressure, turn to God instead of bowing to idols. Amen. And these guys face some pressure. They were in exile. They were in a foreign land. They had a foreign language, a foreign culture. Their names were changed. They didn't even have the names that their parents had given them. They had foreign names. And they were away from their family. These teenagers taken from their family in this foreign place. That's some pressure. Some other stuff that might have been pressure for them. They were under the leadership of, of probably the, the most powerful guy and a super arrogant guy. Have you guys ever had a boss who is just so prideful and like, man, won't hear anything from anyone, like what I say goes. It's hard to work for someone like that. Yeah. Maybe a teacher or a principal or any, anyone else, a coach, someone in leadership where they demand, uh, they demand um, you know, your respect rather than earn it. They had peer pressure from standing out in the crowd. Literally three guys in the midst of tens of thousands. And imagine what they must have been feeling as they're standing there. And they're like, and I'm not going to bow down. Don't bow down. I'm not going to bow down. What's going through their mind? And the looks that they were getting. And then the, and then the pressure of their own peers turning them in. And tattletelling on them. You guys ever had coworkers or friends... Maybe uh, teammates on, on, you know, one of your sports teams. And they're just out to get you. They don't want you to succeed because they want to succeed and you're a threat to them. Well, these guys turned them in and there was some pressure from their peers. These are teens in exile. Much like the teens that we have here that go to high school every day. Right. High school is very much an exile. Can you relate, teens? Can you agree? Yeah exile it's a foreign place man what 
what they, what they might be hopefully getting at home and here at church and the lessons they're learning and trying to pursue God, trying to figure out this life, and yet they go to school and they, they are bombarded with pressures. They are bombarded with foreign concepts and foreign ideas and wait, why are, you, why are you doing that? Why are you trying to get me to do that? The teens are very much in exile when they go to school. The peers are, are saying things like, man, do this to be cool or accepted or else. But how did these three guys respond to all this pressure? How did they respond? They refused to compromise. They could have easily thought, well, we can bow with our hearts, or we can bow with our heads, but not with our hearts. God knows really what's going on in our hearts. We can make excuses like that, like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bow down. I'm actually praying to God, but I'm just doing what everyone else is doing around me. Um, and so we still want to fit in, but we're trying to justify it. And so there's a lot of things they could have done, but they stood their ground by faith. This is huge. Satan wants us to think that compromising is the best solution or the only solution or maybe just the comfortable solution. But where does compromising lead us? Thinking about the times that I have compromised in my life and it's exhausting. It's exhausting to be caught between these two different worlds and what's going on inside of you and yet what everyone else is trying to get you to do. It's stressful. You're trying to straddle a fence between two different worlds. I don't know if any of you guys have tried recently to straddle a fence, but it's not comfortable. Well. And, you know, maybe you can think of times that you, you jumped over a fence and that second that you're at the top of the fence before you go over the other side and it's uncomfortable. But imagine just sitting there. Straddling a fence, it's uncomfortable, it's exhausting. And in that song, Under Pressure by Queen, there's a line that says, turned away from it all like a blind man sat on a fence, but it don't work. It doesn't work. Can't sit on a fence. There was a time that I straddled a fence when I was in, uh, when I was in a college ministry in Denver. And it was my second year of college, and there was this girl that I was working with at Mervyn's. Do you guys remember Mervyn's? Yeah. Worked at Mervyn's uh, my senior year in high school and into college. And so there was this girl that I worked with, and I was attracted to her. I wanted to get to know her some more. But I was like, I'm not going to go there because I don't know what her views are about God. I don't know what she believes in. And I don't want to compromise my faith just in case. I don't want to be enticed. And then, you know what? She doesn't want to have anything to do with God because God is most important to me. So I didn't want to go there. But then we had some interactions. We were at a concert with another friend. And, and so I got to know her some more. And then I just started hanging out with her all the time. And it was, it was like we spent all this time together, but we were still friends, which I'm really grateful for. Our, our relationship was never physical. It never went to like boyfriend, girlfriend status, but we just spent so much time together. And it was affecting my faith because I stopped. I, I started missing like some of, some of my campus events, these best friends that I had that were really helping me be a disciple of Jesus and yet I was just like kind of ignoring them so that I could go hang out with her. And I'd miss, you know, a, a, you know, a weekly time with a good friend because I'd go hang out with her. And I started getting calls like, what are you doing? Like, we miss you. What's going on? We're concerned. Like, where have you been? And 
and I was straddling this fence, and I'm just like, oh, forget you guys, like, you're so legalistic, why can't I just have a friendship with her? And yet, and yet inside I was just getting torn apart because I was straddling that fence. And I, I started to realize, like she had told me, like, I'm not interested in God at all. I had asked those questions. And, and I'm like, okay, something has to change here. Um, and so there was this time I was working. We had, we had quit Mervyn's, but we kept hanging out. And I was working at this running store. And I was thinking, like, okay, I, something has to change. I need to have a conversation with her. I need to change some things in my life because I miss my number one love, which is God. I miss him, and I got to get back to him. And I had this panic attack in the middle of this running store. I started hyperventilating. I had to lay down. No one was around. Everyone was on lunch, and no one came into the store. It was the weirdest thing. No one was, was around, and so I laid down on this bench, and I caught my breath, and I just felt like my heart was racing, like 200 beats a minute just from the stress of trying to live in two different worlds, compromising. So I made some changes, and, and I got back to my true love. But compromise can seem like the easy way out or the best way out. But look how simple and powerful Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response was. It's so simple. Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. Amen. They, don't even, they don't even take the second chance, like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. When the live music starts playing, we'll see what happens. They're like, no, let's not even wait till the live music starts happening. We just want to let you know, we're not, regardless of how much time you give us or what happens, we're not going to answer this question. We're not going to bow down to this statue. Let's just save some time here. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar thought that he had all the power. And so did the rest of Babylon. And yet these three teenagers clearly have control over this situation. They're not freaking out. They're not backstepping. They aren't cowards. They're not begging for mercy. They're standing for their faith. They, they have this unwavering faith because they're standing in the eye of the storm. They're cool, calm, and collected. Because they are living in the presence of God and His love. And they're confident with it. And how did these three male teenagers come to stand without compromising in such intimidating opposition. They were raised this way. They were raised by their parents, by their grandparents, by their relatives, by their friends' parents, by their teen leaders. They were raised with the mindset, I will never compromise no matter what I am faced with. I will never renounce my faith in God no matter what I experience in school or work or whatever happens, even if death seems like the only end result, I won't compromise. These teens were trained and raised to have this mentality and this conviction. Parents, are you showing your kids how to stand strong in their faith? Are you showing them the dangers of compromise? You know, one of the, one of the things um, from my relationship with my parents as I became a teenager and was trying to figure out just adulthood and my faith, uh, kind of standalone faith and not, my, not leaning on my parents as much anymore, 
One of the greatest and most helpful things they gave me was stories of, of things that, ways that they had messed up and compromised and what they learned from it. How maybe they would have done differently, but, but now how they have the conviction to not do that anymore. Parents, share with your children whatever it's going to take for them to never compromise. When they're, we're in, when they're in the face of the fire, that they won't compromise. Um, I, I, want to, I want to say to the parents, it's easy to make excuses for our kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. We love them. We want to protect them. They're only going to be in our house for so long. Right. We want to make the most of it, and sometimes we can step over boundaries and just be way overprotective and make excuses for them. Making excuses for maybe missing church events. Maybe making excuses for, ah, oh, that's just them. That's... And that's just a little pet sin of theirs. Yeah. Come on. Don't make excuses. Let's raise our kids Amen. to not compromise. Amen. Awesome. And yet, not compromising and standing firm, that's not always what happens because we do compromise. Yeah. We are all sinners, myself included, and everyone in this room. We have all sinned. Yeah. Praise God for His grace and mercy. Yeah. But there are times that we are going to compromise. And how do we respond when we face these modern idols and pressures? How, what are the ways that we might compromise? Well, I have a few here. Sometimes we can cut corners. Sometimes we can cut corners. Sometimes we can just give up. Like, oh man, there's a fiery furnace. I am going to run for the hills. I am done. Sometimes we can make excuses. We can blame others. We can blame God. And we can try to numb the pressure and pretend it's not there. These are some ways that we might respond in compromise. You know, we did an idol series with the teens um, back, in, back in the fall. And we, we had 15 questions, which, which I'm going to put up for you right now. 15 questions. And as you answer these questions, they might reveal some idols in your life. I'm not saying that everything you write down, every answer you write down is an idol. But it, it might be. Consider it. And if you have the South Bay Church app, all of these questions are in the notes for today's sermon. So you can go back and look at these. But let's just read through them real quick. What do you feel like you have to have to be happy? What do you think about in the middle of the night or when you first wake up in the morning? What do you spend a lot of your time on each day? What do you worry about? What would you have a hard time giving up for a month? What makes you stressed out and or depressed? What do you do when you're stressed out and or depressed? What do you do to avoid doing the things you don't want to do? In what areas of your life do you experience your greatest struggles? Where do your feelings of self-worth come from? What do you escape to when you're having a hard time in life? What do people tell you that you spend too much time on? What do you hide from others? What do you talk about too much? What could you not live without? And these are some piercing questions. When the teens answer these questions, I'm so proud of them for answering these questions because when I first read these questions, like, I don't want to answer them. I don't want to admit these different answers might be true. They might be idols in my life, but I'm proud of them for answering them and going there 
I really want to encourage you, if you don't have the South Bay app, you can, um, you can download it and, and look at these questions, or maybe you took some pictures, but go through these questions. Some, some examples of idols that, that we may face, modern day idols, because we're not faced with 90 foot statues being told to bow down to them or you're going to die, but we are faced with probably more and more idols than, than those guys were faced with. Um, driving, man, the things that we do in our car, the way that we react to other people, those can be bowing down to idols, how we treat other people. Um, pride and anger that can stir up while we're driving, or even just cutting corners and, and not obeying laws. And There's a lot that can come um, from bowing down to idols while we're driving at school. School, we can, we can bow down to the idol of cheating. Man, I need this grade. This is the end result. I need this grade, and if I don't get that grade, then I'm not, then I'm not going to college. So, I, man, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this grade. Cheating off of a test, grabbing someone else's homework. Popularity. Man, I'm, if I want to be popular, I want to get to this place, but I need to do this in order to be accepted. I need to go to this party in order to get these friends. And we, th there are lots of idols in school that our high school students and, and junior high face. Um, substances. Alcohol, weed, any kind of substance abuse. Man, that is, uh, that is everywhere in, in the world of our youth today. It's scary. Man, just try it. Man, you'll feel so good. You'll be popular. You'll, you know, you'll have fun. It'll numb the pain and the pressures that you're facing at work. Uh, maybe maybe you, you are bowing down to the idol of just not having good work ethic and you're sitting at your desk and playing games on your phone or watching YouTube or whatever else when you should be working and no one knows it because you're in a cubicle or you're driving around and you're a sales rep or whatever it may be. We can bow down to the, the idol of just laziness at work and um, kind of ripping our companies off. Um, there were times that I was just, I was, I felt so guilty because I'm like, oh man, like, I'm, I should be selling you know, this product right now, but I'm, I'm looking on Facebook, just, I just need a break, like 10 minutes. Like, no, this is, I'm getting paid to work right now. Um, we can bow down to just working long hours and doing whatever it takes to make X amount of money. Even if it means compromising our relationship with our family, our relationship with God, and we can go for that dollar, bow down to that dollar and yet miss all these other things, compromise all these other things. You know, I, I really want to lift up Xander. He's one of our team leaders, and he has a job at Chick-fil-A. Right. And so, you know, if you like Chick-fil-A, then you probably have a love-hate relationship with Chick-fil-A, because they're not open on Sundays, and that's the one day you want to eat Chick-fil-A. You leave from church and like, oh, Chick-fil-A sounds so, oh, man, it's so But he works at Chick-fil-A. And he, um, you know, he has a little bit more of an open school schedule this semester. And, he, man, he could have filled up his days with working and shifts, but he specifically put in a request to not work on Wednesday nights and Friday nights so that he could be with the teen ministry. Proud of him for not compromising in that way. 
Because I know, especially as a, as, as a young man trying to build his life and become an adult, man, it, it's nice to build a little cushion in the bank account and start to buy things for yourself. But I'm proud of him for not compromising. Laziness and sleeping in. Man, I had this thought. I had this thought um, because I, I just had a week where I was hitting snooze too much. And I had this thought before I went to bed, like, okay, I am not going to hit snooze in the morning. I am going to wake up when that alarm goes off. And this thought went through my mind because we were talking about kind of demons and angels earlier that night. And I thought, man, every time I hit snooze, it's as if I'm walking to the front door, opening it, like, come on in, demon of impatience. Come on in, demon of laziness. Come on in, demon of anger, demon of impurity, demon of whatever. Because when I hit that snooze button, it's, it means I'm not going to spend that quality time with God that I wanted. Because my kids will wake up and the day will get busy before I know it. And I'll be grumpy. Think about that. Are you compromising in laziness or sleeping in? Substances, we talked about that. Maybe, maybe you're going to a certain substance, alcohol, whatever it is, just, and this is the only way I can relax, so I'm going to do that. One more drink, because I just don't feel relaxed enough. It's been a long week. Impurity. Maybe you, maybe you go to that website, or you click on that link, because, man, I'm just feeling pressure from the week, and I just want some relief. Maybe you think it's the only way to escape what you're experiencing. And pride and anger, these last two, pride and anger, obviously King Nebuchadnezzar was a very prideful man, and you'll see soon that he was a very angry man as well. And pride and anger can be devastating when we compromise and bow down to these two idols. And, you know, just this week, um, many of you, probably all of you have heard about a young man who lost his life this week, Jesse from South High. And, you know, reading the reports, we, we don't know all that happened, but reading the reports, there was a fender bender up the hill and some road rage that ha- happened and they were chasing each other down the hill and they ran into Jesse's car and, and he died on the scene. And I just, I just think about that, man. I, I feel for everyone involved in this situation, what a sad and tragic situation. Yep. And yet... Again, I don't know exactly what happened, but there were bowing down to idols that took place in these events. This tragedy happened because of bowing down to idols. Terrible things happen when we bow down to idols. It doesn't always end in death, but it might leave a scar for the rest of your life or a scar on someone else for the rest of their life. Let's not compromise. Let's not bow to these idols, but let's turn to God. He is the only one who can work miracles, as we will soon see. He is in the eye of the storm. He is where the peace and calm is. When you're feeling like you're about to break, and He will keep you whole. Let's turn to God. Point number two. When you turn to God in pressured times, you turn up the faith, you turn up the fire of faith in others. you like that fire effect? I mean, hey, if you're ever going to use that effect, it's, it's for this, the fiery furnace, right? You turn up the fire of faith in others. Daniel chapter 3, verse 19. You want to turn there? Or you can listen. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression on his face, uh, on his face 
change towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So this is right after they answered him, like, no matter what, we're not going to bow down. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men, in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes, that all just says, man, they're going to burn really well. They have a lot of clothes on. They're going to just spark up real quick. They were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. And so we see the king's rage. And while these three men are standing in the eye of the storm where there is peace and calm in God's love, King Nebuchadnezzar is getting wrapped up in a fury, a storm of his own rage. And what happens because of his rage? His target is, are, are these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, he just has it out for them. The rage is towards them, and yet in the process, three of, a few of his soldiers get killed. Because his orders were just so erratic and crazy. Man, if, if you want these three guys to pay for just defying you, you turn that fire down low and make them pay for it. He turned it up seven times hotter. Man, when, when we are angry, we lose our minds. It, it doesn't even make sense what we're doing or what we're thinking. So his, his anger, uh, although it was directed at them, affected these soldiers. And we see here um, the, the next few chapters, they get thrown into the fire, or the next few verses, thrown into the fire, and then King Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire and he sees four men walking around. Wait a second, three men were, were thrown into the fire, now there are four walking around. Man, his mind is just getting blown. One, I expected them to be burned up. Two, I didn't expect him to be walking around with another guy. And he says it looks like, the, like that of the Son of God's, or the Son of God, maybe, is what he meant to say. And so these, these men are walking around with, with God, with an angel. And I want to note here in verse 23, it says all this stuff they were prepared and dropped into the fire. Even though they stood by faith, and even though they didn't compromise, they were still dropped into the fire. And... And as we pursue God and our relationship with God and we try to stand by faith for Christ, it doesn't mean we're not going to experience fires in our life. It doesn't mean that like, God, look what I did. Look how I stood. Aren't you going to protect me? Aren't you going to keep me from going into that fire? No, not necessarily. Because it's in the fire that these men got to walk with God. It was only in the fire they got to walk around with God. And what a story they had to tell afterwards. Man, what if we, what if we had bowed to that statue? Way, way back then, they probably would have felt guilty and just, man, like, we, we, were, we were raised differently. Now they have this story where they walked with God in a fiery furnace. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I need some water. In verse 28, 
is the power of God here that we're about to see. Verse 28, it says, Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, he sees these guys and he pulls them out. He exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Let's pause on that, that statement, that sentence right there. That was their statement of faith. How did they stand by faith? Well, they violated the king's command and they risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. What is, what is the, the king's command? What is the risking your life in your own life? That's quite a statement. You read that statement and you're like, man, these guys were ridiculous. That's stupid. Why would, you, why would you defy the king and why would you risk your life? Because they refused to bow down to any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree, this is Nebuchadnezzar still speaking, that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. The outcome was awesome, right? And in our wildest dreams, we could not have imagined God would do something like this. And it's so often the truth when we stand up in our convictions by faith and we don't compromise that when we look back, we're like, I could have never imagined God would do something like that. Yeah. And it builds our faith. It bolsters our faith. But it, it doesn't only increase our faith, but it increases the faith of those around us. Yeah. You see, Nebuchadnezzar at the beginning of this, he's like, bow down to this statue and I am like, I'm above the gods. Who, who's going to be able to save you from my power? He is his own God. And yet now he says, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Whatever size his faith was, the fact remains is that he had faith because of what he witnessed in these three lives of these three teenagers. And then he says, and then he takes a stand for God, which is cool. He takes a stand for God. Hey, anyone that insults the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's not the fiery furnace for them. They're going to get torn limb from limb. He is serious about this. He saw faith and it produced faith in him. And I want to encourage you, when you're standing like these three guys stood in the crowd and you're feeling awkward and you're feeling like, man, is this going to mean anything? Is this just going to be awkward and eyes staring at me and comments about me? at my job, am I, am I going to miss that promotion because I stood my ground? My, whatever, whatever that idol is. But because you stand firm, you will turn up the fire of faith in others. You know, Nebuchadnezzar turned up the fire seven times hotter, and, they, and God turned around and was like, I'm going to turn up the faith in you. So, there's this story that I just heard this week, and I don't I don't know uh, the details of it. I tried to get the details of it, but I never heard back. Um, but I'm just going to go the general story. We were at a conference 
with uh, a bunch of church leaders, campus ministers, teen ministers from around the Pacific Southwest. Um, and, and Robert Carrillo, he's the CEO of Hope Worldwide, this nonprofit that we partner with, uh, and we have local Hope Worldwide projects within our community. And he was telling us this story about this extremist, this, this guy. He was an extremist, and he was sent into hope, this Hope Project. I forget what country, again, the, the details are blurry. But he was sent into these Hope Projects to spy on them, to spy on Hope Worldwide, the organization, see what they're doing. And with, with I'm sure, malicious intent. And after some time, he saw the love of, of the other volunteers, the love of the disciples. He saw their faith, and it turned up that faith in him. And he became a disciple. He turned his life over to Christ. And not only that, but now he works for Hope Worldwide. He's an employee of the organization that he was spent, sent to spy out. And, I mean, this is what can happen. When we stand for our faith, those people that were working around him, they probably didn't know he was a spy because they're supposed to uh, stay under the radar. And yet they just did what they knew they wanted to do, what they should do, what they were raised to do. And it spurred on the fire of faith in this man. That is the power of faith. Not compromising when idols come up. The mindset that if you bow down to me, then this will happen, even if that doesn't happen. I'm not going to bow down to you. You are a storm waiting to sweep me up and rip me apart. And yet we don't see that when we look at idols at face value. But look back at your life. Man, what has happened when you have bowed? And just think, I am in the eye of the storm right here with my God. I have nothing to worry about. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. They're like... You've got nothing to worry about. We don't even have to answer your question because we are standing right here with God. And a result of their faith, King Nebuchadnezzar praised God and they got promoted. And that's not always the case. The outcome isn't always like that and that outcome was never guaranteed to them. But they still stood by faith and didn't compromise. You know, we're going to transition into a time of communion. We're going to talk about Jesus in just a sec and the sacrifice that he made for us. But in walking away from here, a few things. I want you guys to go back and answer that list of idle questions and see what comes up. It was revealing to me. It was revealing. I'm like, man, I don't want to admit this, but I think it's true. Answer the list of idle questions and by faith stand up to one of those idols this week. It can be overwhelming when you answer those questions and when you think about Maybe the ways that you have bowed down to idols. But focus on one. Focus on one. Maybe the one that's the biggest and baddest and most intimidating. And you just decide. Do whatever it takes. I am not going to stand. I'm not going to bow before this idol. I'm going to stand and not compromise. And get other people involved. Hey, I'm going to text you. When I am about to bow down to this idol, I'm going to text you or call you. Please answer or just please pray for me if you see me calling you. Do whatever it takes to turn to God in faith when you are under pressure. And a man who was familiar with pressure was certainly Jesus. He was familiar with pressure in his life. And we read here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven... 
Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus faced the idols in his life. He faced these times. Man, if you don't bow down to this idol, Jesus, this is what's going to happen to you. Yet he never bowed. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, the rest of this chapter 4 is about rest. Rest in God. Rest for those who believe, who stand firm in their faith. Rest is certainly what we find in the eye of the storm. Rest is what we find with God. Rest is what we find in Christ. But he went through fire. Jesus went through fire. It wasn't all, you know, peaceful for him. You know, I'm just like um, stiff-arming idols along the way. Man, those, those idols were very present. And yet he stood his ground. And he can, sympath- he can empathize with us. Jesus was pressured in the garden. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying and he's pouring his heart out to his Father. And, and if this is your will, I'll do it. But if there's another way, hey, I'll take that too. But he was, he was resolved to do whatever his Father had planned. Hey, and if it means the salvation of mankind, and if I need to hang on the cross and get beaten, and spit on, cursed at, and all of the emotional and physical and spiritual pain that he experienced, if that is what it's going to take for you and I to have hope and to be able to rest in the eye of the storm with God, then I will certainly do that in a moment, in a second. And that is the pressure that Jesus faced, but he never compromised. He never bowed down to the idol of comfort, or the idol, the idol of popularity, the idol of, you know, many other idols. He never bowed down. His faith has certainly changed my life. Because of Jesus' faith, my fire of faith has been turned up many times, over and over again. And I hope the same is true for you. Let's take some time right now to think about and how, how Jesus' actions have turned up faith in you. How has it impacted you? What idols and do you want to just hand over to God, commit to Him, and stand firm this week in the face of those idols. Let's pray. I want to, we're going to say a prayer for Brian Bailey, um, Jen Dabney's brother, who has uh, ALS. So we're going to pray for him and pray for the communion, and then the praise will be passed. Uh, let's bow. God, thank you for, oh, thank you for Jesus. God, even just taking a breath right now, just being able to rest in your presence and know that your throne is a throne of grace that we can approach with confidence. God, not, not a throne of judgment that please don't hurt me, you know, I messed up, but come to me. Find rest in me. God, that is what you are calling us to do and I pray right now can be a time of rest. God, I pray that you would help us to see that the idols in our life, they are not going to produce any good in our life. That the end result that is promised if we don't bow down is not truly the end result. There's more than that. God, there might be a different outcome. If that is the outcome, to just know that when we stand by faith and we can rest in you. God, I pray for Brian Bailey. 
and just what he is going through. ALS, got his health, uh, the, the family around him that just is hurting as they see the pain that he experiences. God, I pray that you would just send uh, your comfort, that you would embrace Brian, embrace their family. God, help them to uh, just see your plan in all of this. I pray that you would unify them more and more and help us to reach out and just be a, a source of comfort and love for them as well. Please be with Brian right now. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice and the life that we have because of it, the faith that we have because of it. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.